Hello, I'm Sharon Collin and you are listening to the ADHD Families Podcast. I am a mum of three beautiful boys with ADHD. I love being a mum, but my home life was absolute chaos and the stress of daily life had a terrible effect on my health. My husband had so many horror-filled stories of growing up with ADHD that I decided I wanted to change the experience for my little boys. So I got to work and I systematically changed and streamlined my family's lives to suit the ADHD brain. And now that I have my family on track, I want to help yours. Do you want a life with your beautiful kids that is more functional, fun, and full of joy? Let's explore together the wonderful and sometimes wacky world of raising kids with ADHD. Welcome to another episode of the ADHD Families Podcast. Today, I've got the very incredible Jules Galloway. And now I've known Jules for a long time, and she has been my personal naturopath um, for quite some time. And she has recently discovered that she has ADHD, and she's got an incredible podcast called Late Diagnosis ADHD. And she also has, um, I'll put her contact details for her website at the end so you can see what her naturopathy website is. But I'd like to welcome you to the podcast to hear a little bit about your story, Jules. Thank you so much for having me. Before we jumped on today, I was actually thinking, like, how long have we actually known each other now? And I honestly, it's been quite a while. And we've seen each other go through so much stuff in that time, I think. And yeah, I'm really excited to talk with you about this today because it's been a topic that we've talked about for many, many years, given your family members, but now I'm on the other end of it. Don't you think that's just the most incredible um, bit of serendipity there as well? Like, Oh, maybe so we were always each other's people, maybe. Yes. Yes. Uh, now tell me a little bit about your uh, journey with ADHD. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. So I had that very typical kind of childhood and background that I'm hearing from so many other ADHDs right now who are being diagnosed sort of midlife and beyond in that I talked too much at school. I got into trouble for stuff. The school reports were always like she's very smart but not applying herself to her full extent. She does her work but then she distracts others, all of that, but no one ever picked anything up. And then I managed to white-knuckle my way through a university degree and still nobody picked it up, even though I found some of those things so hard. And then I went into the corporate world and I hated the corporate world, but still nobody picked up why I hated the corporate world. And then like what I've been hearing with a lot of others, in fact, a lot of people, I don't have kids, but a lot of people say they they start to tweak when they take their kids for an ADHD assessment. It was the same with me, except it was my husband, James. So He went for an ADHD assessment and on the second appointment, you know, you bring your partner with you and they were asking me all the questions and I was answering them for him, but I was mentally keeping track in my own head of how many of those questions I could have just answered for me. And I was like, oh God, tick, tick, tick. Shit, do you think this might be me too? (laughs) (laughs) And then it began. So I started looking into... ADHD and I didn't realize how differently it can show up in women 
in young girls, in higher functioning people or, you know, like people with like decent amount of intelligence, like they're the ones who are slipping through the cracks and not being assessed and, and nobody suspecting anything until quite a late stage. So it was only when I was 46 that I got the diagnosis and that was last year. And that obviously that's even quite a mission in Australia at the moment, getting that done. So, you know, many months and lots of money later, my husband and I now both have a diagnosis of combined type ADHD. It explains so many things. Like we, James and I have been together, we've just realised, for 25 years this month. And wow. we will have been married 23 years next month. <laughs> and we only just found out six months ago, eight months ago, that this is what was going on for us. And so we have have navigated a relationship where both parties have combined type ADHD for two decades and then some, and we were just coming out the other end of all of the feelings that go with that as well, going, wow, we've really beaten some odds there. And no wonder, <laughs> first of all, no wonder we were attracted to each other. And secondly, oh, my goodness, how did we not implode and, I mean, so many times we nearly did. And then our next thought was let's start a podcast about it because, like, I've already had a podcast in the past. I know how to do it. We wanted to start connecting with other like-minded people, i.e. people who've been diagnosed with ADHD later in life. And so now we have, we've got LD ADHD, the podcast, and we're really enjoying it because we get to interview other people who are just like us and it doesn't feel like work and it's the best job ever. And also I'm still a naturopath on top of all of that. So, But, uh, of course, like being the way that I am, uh, of course, uh, as soon as I knew what was going on in terms of my brain type, I started researching like a mofo and went down that rabbit hole for months on end. And then I was like, because I already do speaking. So now I'm starting to do speaking gigs in my industry educating other practitioners about ADHD and how to manage clients with this brain type and how to do it in a neuroaffirming way. And yeah, so it's all happening. I mean, of course, of course, as soon as like yeah. something like that would happen, like I'm, I'm a pretty driven person. And so of course I just like threw myself into it. It's like, right, that's it. I'm going to learn everything I need to learn about this. You know, what you described is, you know, a, quite a common scenario that, you know, ADHD, the diagnosis getting missed, especially in females in when it, during their younger years, they get missed. And yep. perhaps it's because they're not showing those outward, not always, but they're not showing those, um, the, you know, hyperactivity as much. It's all happening in here inside the brain, that hyperactivity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I see it all the time and I feel quite sad for females in general that they're missing out on early intervention and, you know, they're missing out on, you know, maybe a, a learning or understanding a little bit about their brain. They're not finding out until their 40s and perhaps when yeah. their partner like your, yours or their children get diagnosed. So it is, quite, it is quite sad when you think about it. It really is. Like James and I have both had to have a bit of a moment of grief for both of us. Like he went through a lot when he found out he'd been diagnosed because he wasn't in a job that he loved and he does feel like he's missed a lot of opportunities. And if he had known earlier, like maybe with the right support, he could have ended up somewhere different. 
in terms of his goals and his life. And so he went through a massive amount of grief, which we do like delve into a lot on the podcast because he's very open in terms of talking about it. Whereas like I'm really happy in my job. Like I'm, I've got a successful career. I love my job. It took me a long time to work out that I shouldn't work for someone else and that I suck at working for. Now we know why I suck at working for other people uh, and also why I suck at doing the same job day, day in, day out. Like those things don't suit me. But once I figured that out, and that was long before the ADHD diagnosis, once I figured that out, at least I, I knew what I wanted to be and I had I was already on a mission to kind of help people with like chronic health conditions and burnout and fatigue and whatnot. So for me, I was... I was I still went through a bit of a grief process but not as much as as James did but I I think with my grief process it was more I was almost looking backwards and looking forwards and almost grieving the future as well because I realized that the thing I've I've done all these things in my life that I can I guess be pretty proud of like getting a uni degree and and growing my business and whatnot but also it took like so much energy and it like I would go through these work burnout, work burnout, work burnout cycles where I'd be like go, 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 do, 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 achieve, achieve and then like fall in a massive hole and get really sick and end up with like these, you know, inflammatory things going wrong in my body and then I'd pull myself out of that hole and then go, right, what's the next thing we want to achieve? Work, 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 do, 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 achieve. But then I realised that that's not very smart and I'm not practicing what I preach but also I I also realized that looking forward like I'm gonna have to change my expectations on myself because if this is the brain type I have you can't really change that and so then I went through like that bargaining phase of grief where you go right well maybe we'll just like take some medications that will allow me to do all the things I want to do so, you know, if we have, what sort of, what have we got that'll make me more neurotypical? All right, I'll try all of you. So I tried all the drugs. None of them actually worked well for me. The side effects were really gnarly. And I was one of those people that they just didn't, yeah, it wasn't a good fit. Like I really tried. I really, really wanted to make it work. Even though I'm a naturopath, I'm like, I'm going to like take these drugs and it's going to allow me to like sit at a desk for eight hours a day and get all the things done. No. Did not work. Got really got really sick from that. Even my hair was falling out. I was like, no, this is not for me. Mm. So then I had to go through the grief of, well, I guess you're just never going to be able to do those things like the other people can do in the world. And yeah, that that was a bit of a shock for me because I, I always just thought I could kind of like diet and supplement and biohack my way out of it. And then if I could just finally find the right recipe of supplements and herbs and you know ice baths or mindset or something I always thought I could beat this thing that was holding me back Mm -hmm. and then as soon as I realized that it was a brain type and then I'm kind of stuck with it I was like oh well shit (laughs) (laughs) then let the grief begin but I'm all right now I'm all right now I've worked my way through that now it's interesting what you spoke about about that sprinting mentality and then burning out and recovering because I think that a lot of our listeners would very much identify with that. Mm -hmm. Um, We know that ADHD and women is very linked to burnout. Um, And so you wouldn't be alone in that 
um, you know, in that no. suggestion at all. <laughs> Do you have as ways of like as you've been through it numerous times, do you have ways uh, when you talked about picking yourself up out of that hole that you would be able to, some suggestions for people to do the same? Yeah, don't do it again. Uh, But we're going to. (laughs) We often don't realise that we're doing it, right, until we're too far in. (laughs) Or we, because we are such optimists, we think it won't be as bad as last time. I won't push myself as far as I did last time. I won't make myself sick. I've learned how to not do that. And then next minute you've done it again. You're like, oh, whoops. So, yeah, I think we we need to honour the fact that you can take some herbs and some supplements and tweak your diet and there are some wonderful things that you can do and I'm happy to guide you through that. However, it's a little bit enablerish. Is that a word? It's like if I'm going to enable. <laughs> it is on this podcast. <laughs> yes, we've got a new word today. It's called enablerish. No, but if it, if I'm if I'm giving you things and then it enables you to then go and smash yourself even more, is that responsible naturopathy, right? Mm. Uh, so it's a bit like if someone came to you and said, "I'm a smoker and I like smoking." And I'm probably going to keep smoking every now and again. And could I please have some lung herbs because it's making me cough? What would you say? You'd be like kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, look, I hear you coughing. I could see that it's a problem. Here are some lung herbs. But also we need to have a chat about the fact that if it's enabling you to smoke more, is this the right thing for us to be doing? So on one hand, like I would be happy to give you beautiful herbs for your adrenals and supplements to prop you up. And, you know, there's there's so many cool new toys to play with at the moment that I've been researching, but none of them, none of them fix anything because like we don't, we don't really need to be fixed. This is not a health condition that needs curing. This is a brain type. And so I used to think that I could fix this, but that's not really the case. And like, but we can definitely smooth things out, ease things down, you know, ease things for people and make, you know, if your brain's on fire, we need to put that out basically. So, but you're still going to wake up the next day and still have the same neurotype. So, yeah, there's like this beautiful nervous system herbs. Like if, you know, if you've been burning the candle at both ends and it's affecting your digestion, which I know it does with me, right, I'm having, I'm actually in the middle of like the last week was like my busiest week of the year because I'm going overseas next week and I finished off all my patients last week. Um, and that was huge. And also I've got a speaking gig and they want three slideshows in by the end of this week. So I've been like head down, butt up, like the busiest week of the, of the year last week. And then of course, like heartburn, reflux, hiccups, go figure. Like my digestion just was toast right? And I do all the right things. I'm doing like the gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free diet, whole foods, rah, 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 and my digestion was still toast, right? So, you know, and so of course I'm like taking the herbs and the supplements for that. And that, you know, it's kind of helped it a little bit, but do you know what would also help it? Like not having all that on in one week. <laughs> <laughs> so <the> stress. <laughs> yeah. And like even my business coach was said, 
you need to go and have some fun now. Can you go for a walk or a bike ride or something or have a bath or something? She's like, you need to stop. That's the only thing that's going to fix this is you need to stop and do less, which is very counterintuitive. So, yeah, it's like when people get stressed, like they end up with insomnia. Like when we do too much and we hit that crispy burnout point, like insomnia kicks in that's when you're in, you know, your inflammation ramps up a notch. If you're in any way autoimmune oriented, like that's when your autoimmune disease, hello. <laughs> Here's one we prepared hand. earlier. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, Sharon, tell everyone what that's like. Um, so, I don't you know, want that, to scare them. No. And so women mm-hmm. in particular, unfortunately, we – we burn out faster and more things go wrong because we've got this like these female hormones that just love to have a party with everything else and when your estrogen's up and then your cortisol which is your stress hormone when that goes up they have a party together and then you you know you've got your old mate histamine turns up as well and then it's a real party and then your autoimmune stuff kicks off and 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 so you know, we we need to unravel that, and then yes, if it's if it's autoimmune that's kicking in, we'll be going in with anti-inflammatories, and we'll be sorting out the gut because the gut is often running the inflammation show anyway. But but honestly, we're often just going in with things that help to bring the stress down and help to support the mm-hmm. nervous system, and then and then yeah, I try and like biohack my way through life, like. Um, I'm currently taking like tyrosine and B vitamins and magnesium and zinc. Like I do not go anywhere without magnesium and zinc. Like zinc's like my desert island nutrient. And then, you know, and I take them at specific doses that are specific for me and everyone's going to have their own specific dose that works for them. And so there's there's so many things. Like, And I know when my gut's not right, my ADHD symptoms are so so much worse like far far worse and I start to get scattered and I start to get like twitchy and I can't sit still and I'd like I'll be like fiddling under the desk while I'm talking to people and like and I start to get that real spinning the wheels like open up a tab note don't want to do that shut that tab open up a tab note don't want to do that shut that tab open up that email look for an email that I want I said don't want to answer any of them shut that tab keep going 20 minutes later haven't done a thing kind of ADHD spinning the wheels but I know that when I've got all the nutrients working better that's less likely to happen it doesn't go away altogether but it's all about just kind of putting out the fire where I can but yeah at the end of the day honoring the fact that maybe my body doesn't want to go at a million miles an hour all the time might be a suggestion too but (laughs) How many of us actually do that though? Like I I get bored sitting around. <laughs> do you know, I think you've raised a really interesting point, right? Like it's this pipette, uh, like we like to be busy. Like people with ADHD like to be busy. Their, their brains are ideas factories. Like they're great at creating yeah. cool ideas. And so it's very tempting to be very busy and to burn ourselves out. You know, like it's it's very easy. It actually feels productive a lot of the time, and feeling yeah. like slowing down actually feels a little bit feels a bit wrong Boring. sometimes. You know, yeah, right? and also I get a tell bit, me what do you do anxious. to slow down? Oof, mm. I, yeah. I 
I have an amazing bathtub out on a balcony that overlooks nature, which <gasps> is my secret weapon. Amazing. Yeah, it is. It's it's incredible. Like we we yeah, when we saw that bathtub, we we're like, we have to have this place because you 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 feel like you're sitting in the trees. But I also have to take a book out there with me because I can't just sit and. And but it is nice. It is beautiful, and and if it's still light outside, you can sit and watch the birds, and it's incredible. But that's about the only thing I can do. That like I've tried meditation. I'm really happy for everyone in the world who can meditate. Like I'm happy for you all, whoever you are. Like love your work. That's great. I never. <laughs> I just suck at it, and uh, and I thought the solution was to try meditating more. Nope. No, but also. Surfing is like meditation for me. Stand up paddle boarding on f- beautiful, calm, flat water around like the canals of Noosa here. Like that's meditation for me. Going for a walk in nature is meditation for me. And so once we, you know, once you start to become acquainted with how your brain works, you can start to look outside the square of what everyone says you should be doing to, to relax and find your own way of doing it. And one of the most important things that was said to me during the ADHD assessment process was the psychologist was had to explain to me that I do have hyperactive traits and I was like fighting tooth and nail, like, no, I'm fine. I don't have hyperactive traits. I've, you know, I, I don't think I'm hyperactive. I don't think I'm combined type. I think I'm inattentive. I often stare out the window and she's like, you know how you answered to, you know, there's the question on the assessment about whether you get up at inappropriate times, like you can't sit in a seat for, I forget how it's worded, but it's about not being able to sit still for long periods of time and you get up at inappropriate times. And I'm like, please, I'm a naturopath. Sometimes we have consults that go for like 90 minutes. I can sit still. She's like, yeah, but what's going on under the desk? I'm like, oh, a fair bit of fidgeting. <laughs> but then she also said... <laughs> She also said, oh, yeah, but that's that's when it's required, required of you. Like you need, you know, like you have to stay still because otherwise it's going to freak the client out. She goes, what if you're watching a movie? She's like, when's the last time you watched a whole movie without stopping in the middle? And I'm like, oh, no, we always have like intermission here at our house. Like, And she goes, yeah, and it'll be some lame excuse like you have to get up to pee or you need a snack. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, movies only go for two hours. Did you pee before the movie started? Yes. She's like, you don't really need to get up to pee then, do you? And I'm like, no, I just needed to get up. So <laughs> once you realise like what how hyperactive can look for some people, then through further questioning and, and talking with the psychologist, I also realised that a lot of hyperactivity goes on in the, in the head, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's all happening with me. It's all going on from the neck up. So hyperactive for me can be like racing thoughts or skipping from one thought to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, and then spinning, spinning, spinning. Like that is also a form of hyperactivity. And so telling that person to meditate, I mean, if they can, like I said, I'm happy for you. If you can do that, I'm so stoked for you, but it's, it's just not me. But if you give me something to do with my hands like knitting or crochet or mosaic or something like that, 
Like I can, I I will sit and do a jigsaw puzzle in my downtime, but I have to have a podcast in my ears at the same time. But I find that so relaxing, like just sitting, you know, in a sunny spot near my window, like chipping away at a jigsaw puzzle, listening to something. I'm like happy for hours. So every, and, and for me, I think a lot of it, I, you know, I do go to the gym or I do go for a surf or I do go for a walk or a bike ride. So for me, it's like getting it out physically before it gets me, I think is the thing. But every single person's going to have their own version of what works for them. And we've grown up and spend a lot of our adult lives being told these rules about what relaxing should look like. Mm. I think we need to throw it all in the bin and start again. Oh my goodness. That really resonates with me. We when we built this house, we built a cinema room because we thought that's what you should do, right? And then it came it, because we were building our, our dream house, we were going to put a cinema room in it, and it came to a point in the build where I actually said to Anthony, we have never watched a movie as a family. Are we going to start or is this like a useless room? And so this room now is my office, right? Nice. <laughs> It well never played. was you cinema got a nice room. <laughs> well, it was it's all dark, right? There's no windows because it was gonna be a cinema room, right? But we had to <sighs> acknowledge that we do not watch movies as a family. Never have. Never have. Never been no. able to sit through them. Yeah, it's it's not something that brings us joy. It just we fight about what movie it is for half an hour and then everyone gets up and like it becomes like a, a war zone in there. Uh, it's not a relaxing thing but I think it's about finding what is relaxing to that individual like like you said you know the walks and you know being active for you doing a little bit of something creative for you um, can be really you know it's freeing to know that it doesn't have to be if like if getting a massage stresses you out about sitting there and trying to be relaxed in the massage then maybe that's not the best relaxing thing my husband James hates getting massaged because he has to lay there and like he's not even that good with like someone touching him for like an hour. He's like, no, nah, it's not right. He's not. He's the sort of person if you know him, you can hug him, but if you don't know him, don't try and hug him, kind of person. So mm-hmm. like, not a good candidate. And I was like, oh, but they're so <laughs> relaxing. So yeah, like it's going to look different for everyone. Like one of one of the moments when I felt the most at peace and the most meditative, like in my whole life. Was and and like let's just preface this by saying I'm a terrible surfer. So when I say I go surfing, like don't picture me actually doing amazing things. Like it's more splashing and falling in and getting hit in the head with surfboards, right? But the first, the very first time that I paddled out out of my own depth. So I'd been practicing and practicing in the whitewash, and I was finally ready to paddle out the back, and it was it was pretty quiet. So out I went. And I paddled out and sat behind where the waves were breaking. And, oh, my goodness, like when you sit in this particular spot, you kind of drift up and down on your surfboard in rhythm with the sets that are coming through because you're sitting behind the the break. And holy moly, like I've never felt more at one with nature in my life. Like that first time I sat out there, I was just like I was one with the ocean, man. Like I was like "This this is what everyone's talking about. Now I get it. And although, like, that first feeling, it's never going to feel like that every time you go out. Like, the last time I went surfing, I was sitting out behind the break and there was this incredible stingray that was, like, floating around underneath me, like, under the surfboard and, and, you know, I 
took my feet out of the water and then appreciated it. But just, you know, <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's really, look at the size of that tail. Might just uh, might just lift up my feet right now. But, like, then then I could sit and watch, like, how majestic this thing was, like like cruising around underneath us all. And and to me, like, being out in nature like that, that's, that's meditation for me. That's as good as it's ever going to get. But it does, it feels special and I, that, hour or two that I'm out there I don't think about anything else but the water the waves the wind what's it you know this you know, don't hit the stingray you know whatever but I'm certainly not thinking about work or my shopping list or what Joe Blogg said to me on Wednesday afternoon that got my back up none of that <laughs> right it's just it's just me in the ocean and and so whatever that's going to be for you whether it's reading or knitting or crocheting or mountain biking or going to the gym or going to a Zumba class or whatever it is, like that's it. That's that's the thing you need to do more of. And it's beautiful that, you know, that everyone's different so you can find your own thing. Like that's it's, it's all an experiment. We're all just experimenting <laughs> to find our own little thing about what brings us joy at that time. And that thing might change as you get older or wiser or try new things or get sick of doing the old things. Like there's no rules. Mm, that's right now I'd love to hear your some of your advice so as a person who has been late diagnosed Mm -hmm. um, if we've got a perhaps most of my audience are women about our age uh, perhaps sitting there thinking (laughs) hmm I have suspicions that I might be a little bit ADHD like my children because probably their children are if they're listening to this podcast Um, what advice would you tell them first of all I would say that the gold standard is to get assessed and in a perfect world it would be nice if we could all get assessed and I think getting assessed and getting that diagnosis gives you it gives you validation and it gives you information and it gives you power to be able to like choose the next chapter of your life wisely However, that's not a reality for a lot of people. Like it cost us a fortune and and we're a double income family with no kids and we still had to like scrape the money together because we both got assessed within like a couple of months of each other. And I know that in Australia like the waiting lists are so long and then if you've got a few kids and they all need assessments, like of course they're going to get priority first because like that's how it goes in families. And so don't let anyone tell you that like self-identifying is not valid. If you think you're an ADHDer and you identify as being an ADHDer, like that's okay with me and it needs to be okay with you and your circles as well. So Yes, aim for an assessment when you can because I really feel like there's some, you start to get that, you get this definite feeling and, you know, unfortunately then or fortunately you do go through all the grief and the stuff. Like once you know for sure, like then you all of those feelings start to unravel and I do feel like it's that piece of paper for a lot of people that starts that unravelling process and although it sucks and it's a bit bitey and you cry a lot and all of that, like, you have to go through it in order to heal. But at the moment, if all you can do is is just self-identify, I'm all right with that. My husband's all right with that. We did a we did a whole podcast on why we think that's okay. 
because for some people that's all they can do. And then go and find your people. Like I bet you won't have to go far. Like you probably just have to look at the five most called numbers in your phone, you know, in your phone, like or the people you message the most on Facebook. Like they're probably your ADHD crew. So I don't know about you, Sharon, but like <laughs> I don't know, like the we roam in packs. I find that <laughs> neurokin, <laughs> neurokin, exactly, exactly. That's what my psychologist called it, and, and she's like, "Yeah, oh yeah, neurokin. When you meet them, you'll know because you get this fizzy feeling, and it all fizzes up, and the energy fizzes up, and you're like, oh, 'Oh, you're my person. Let's hang out.' And yeah, of course we find each other because." The neurotypicals are sometimes a bit vanilla, right? So, <laughs> you know, of course these are the people that we had big experiences with in our 20s and our 30s and that we went travelling with and that we bonded with and they were the people we wanted to share a room with when we were backpacking through wherever it was. Of course it was. You know, so look around you, find your neurokin, reconnect with them, talk to someone, get some help. And then if you haven't, seen a psychiatrist yet it means that you don't have access to medications right so there are things you can still do if I put my naturopath hat back on right naturopath hat goes on there are things we can do that we can that that can help with ADHD symptoms but also what we call comorbidities so comorbidities is a really awful name for all the other Mm. things that ADHDs often have on board at the same time whether it's like anxiety depression insomnia OCD gut problems irritable bowel da 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 you know PMDD huge one premenstrual dysphoric disorder huge one so if you've got some of those comorbidities going on like go and see a naturopath or a nutritionist or an integrative GP or whoever it is that resonates with you, like even your doctor, I don't mind, just like get the help that that resonates for you. But, But go and get some of those other things managed and under control as well because now that you know what's fueling the anxiety or what's fueling the insomnia or what's fueling some of those other comorbidities, now that you know that ADHD might be actually like taking the wheel and driving that bus sometimes, like at least you have an understanding of what's happening below the surface, what's driving this, but then we we still need to make life easier for you and more livable for you. We, you know, I want you to thrive. So there's there's lots of things we can do. I would never promise a cure. Like I said, I don't even I don't even believe in a cure for ADHD because it's a brain type, not a health condition that needs to be solved. But if you're in pain, whether it's physically or emotionally, mentally, you're in pain if your life's not where you want it to be if you're not thriving like there are things that we can do for that and once you get to your you know mid 40s or so ladies um there's this thing called perimenopause that's gonna come and like turn the screws in so yeah I think another reason that a lot of women of a certain age are getting diagnosed right now is that perimenopause can sometimes make ADHD symptoms become a little bit less manageable. So you used to be just a bit distracted. Now you're like full-blown, can't get anything done kind of thing. Brain fog kicks in during perimenopause. Fatigue happens. Like so many things, so many unpleasant things for us all to look forward to. But 
if you're going through perimenopause and that's starting to spike the ADHD symptoms, then we don't just need to work on the ADHD symptoms. We need to work on the hormones. And again, naturopath or nutritionist, if you're that way inclined, GP, integrative GP, or gynecologist, someone who can prescribe you drugs, if you're that way inclined, I don't mind, I don't judge, whatever's going to work for you, or a combination of the two is often where it lands. So maybe a little bit of HRT plus a sprinkling of liver herbs and nerve tonics and nutrients and things as well. So like, you know, you don't even have to pick a team. You can go and get a team to work for you. You can get acupuncture and see a naturopath and see a GP and that will actually often work better for a lot of people. So make sure you gather a team around, like get your people around you, get your team around you and please, please, please like, Put yourself first sometimes. I know like there's a lot of mum guilt and other guilt and then we, you know, throw ourselves into work or we throw ourselves into family and forget to look after ourselves. But I tell you what, like the older I get, like I'm 47 now and the older I get, the more I realise like not going to get away with that anymore. Like I have to put myself first sometimes, mm. otherwise it's all just going to implode. That's mm. Terrific advice. That is, it's been so great <laughs> chatting with you today, Jules. Now, tell me if people are looking for you, where can they find you? Yes, I'm all over the interwebs. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> no. So, uh, my two main Instagram accounts are Jules Galloway Health, and then the one I share with James is LD underscore ADHD. And on Facebook, we are Jules Galloway Health and Late Diagnosis ADHD. You can find me at julesgalloway.com. You can find the podcast at latediagnosisadhd.com. So many things. But also if you just like go to Spotify or Apple and type in LD ADHD, like you'll find us. And, yeah, we're a friendly bunch and honestly, James and I are having a ball doing the podcast and interviewing other late diagnosed ADHDs on the podcast. And I, I love how now I get to do the fun one, you know, with him. And then I get to put the serious naturopath research integrative kind of hat on, a functional medicine hat on in my job. So I feel like I've got the best job at the moment. Like none of it really feels like work. And so if you do if you do need help with anything, like reach out and let me know. And I offer consults via Zoom. But also if you did want to see someone face-to-face, -face, I've got a whole group full of ADHD savvy practitioners that I run on Facebook. So basically I've got a, a network of practitioners in Australia that I can always refer you to as well. So if you need a naturopath or a nutritionist, just reach out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the ADHD Families Podcast. If you loved it, please share it on your socials. I want this to start a conversation about ADHD. If you want to make this mum do a little happy dance, please leave a review on iTunes. If you would like to know more about what we do, check out thefunctionalfamily.com. I truly hope that you enjoyed this podcast and you use it to create a wonderful, effective joyful life with your beautiful children.